The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode of Hollinger and Duncan is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan's first annual playoff extravaganza. Going to take a little bit of a different uh, approach here instead of doing the whole series by series thing. What we're going to do is talk about just a bunch of categories that, that we came up with here. The most interesting series, the individual player matchups that we're most interested in seeing and the best coaching matchup a bunch of stuff uh, like that to take a, a little bit different of an approach uh, at looking ahead to the playoffs but first john do you want to debate uh who would have made a rising stars game for the bubble if there were one well if it weren't for the assistant coaches uh <laughs> man I'm, I'm glad they didn't go that far uh, I, I thought doing an all-bubble team was cool. It's kind of like having the all-tournament teams at the Olympics or at a FIBA tournament. So I thought that was appropriate. But when you start getting into the all-rookie stuff, because especially like the second teams, when people are debating about second-team all-rookie, I can't believe you didn't take Eric Paschal over Cody Martin. So just just shut up. No, nobody cares. <laughs> Other than team PR departments. Yes, exactly. Player agents, of course. Uh, so let's start here. This is a, a pretty simple one. We'll do some overall playoff predictions here at the end. I know you wrote a, co- a couple of pieces for The Athletic with your playoff predictions. I intentionally did not read those yet, so your opinions it will be new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nate, Nate intentionally yeah. doesn't read my other stuff either. But Oh, that is – that is if there is anyone on earth that you cannot say that to, that's me. <laughs> I've been reading your shit since 2002. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I purchased – books how many of those were you selling, how many people way, that i was not related to actually purchased my books yes that's yeah that's that's the real like if you're hardcore like if you're into the band before they were cool like that's like your proof if you yeah. if you uh, bought the prospectus books that i wrote yeah uh, ali i was reading alleyoop.com in uh the summer of 2002 i was living in hilton head south carolina wow working working as a waiter for a summer after college before uh i was gonna go to law school and uh Wow. Yeah, fun times. Yeah, those those were fun times. Uh so, let's get back to business here. The most interesting series to you. Most interesting series to me is Houston Oklahoma City. Um especially with Russell Westbrook uh missing most or all of it uh due to his quad strain. Uh you know, Houston's kind of slow rolling saying, well, he'll miss a couple games. Usually when they start out that way, that you're, usually you're not going to see the guy. 
it's it's very Kevin Durant from last year type of feeling to it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. For, for to use one example, um, so I think that really makes it. I think a couple things make it interesting. One, obviously, no Westbrook. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about starting Ben McLemore or Eric Gordon or somebody. Eric Gordon's been horrible. Um, then Oklahoma City, fully healthy. I've always maintained, we've disagreed on this. I think they're kind of interesting playoff-wise because they have exactly five good players. They can put those five good players on the court at the same time against Houston, which they can't do against some other teams. And... A lot of these minutes that they played with their bench guys, which which add up to kind of a lot, just just aren't going to be there in this series. You're not going to see, you know, Nader Muscala lineups in in, in this playoff series. So I think I think Oklahoma City could still go up a level. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Now Dennis Schroeder has been away from the team. We'll see what kind of shape he's in coming back after the birth of a child. He then had to quarantine. When you theoretically can't really do much, I'm sure that they probably just gave him like a treadmill in his hotel room or something so he may take a little bit to round into form how do you see them defending Harden in that series yeah I mean that's obviously the most interesting challenge uh they'll, they'll start games with Lugans Dordite on him I think yeah, if he's available he's got that knee sprain so he might be questionable that 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 could be an issue just because they're so thin uh that if he if he's not able to go that creates problems for them. I mean, they were playing Terrence Ferguson earlier in the year, and he's like all the way out in the rotation. Like even in the games where they were letting everybody play, he hardly played. Um, I wonder in fourth quarters, they're going to put Chris Paul on him. Yeah, that's interesting. But ultimately, to me, it doesn't really matter because what Houston is going to do is they're going to find whoever the weakest defender is, and they're going to have him screen for Harden. And then the question becomes, how do you deal with that? Or I actually predict that we're going to see just the straight up double team of Harden without there even necessarily being a screen right. set uh, a lot in this series because I don't think they have a great individual matchup and they certainly don't have a great one through five matchup when they're just going to set that small man pick and roll and try to get Harden the matchup. Yeah. So the the game within the game, I think, for Oklahoma City is keeping Gallinari and Steven Adams on the floor. Because if they do well, that, the, there's nowhere for them to go. <laughs> there's no one to replace them. They are, going to be <laughs> yeah, they the they they have to, right? Um, but you know, being able to have them defend competently enough that they're not toast out there. Uh, Houston has actually gone away from a lot of the pick and roll stuff, so it's going to be interesting to see how much they'll go to that versus just ISO Harden uh, as as we get into this. Because, like you said, I mean, it does invite a double team when you do that. So. I, I'm uh I really am interested to see what's gonna happen on the other end. When Oklahoma City has the ball? Yeah, because is there anyone that you really love on OKC attacking a switch? Uh no, I think I think Steven Adams has to pound the crap out of him. I mean actually Gallinari is good against switches. Yeah, he's the guy I think. Uh he because he's he's unique because he can he can attack bigger or smaller switches pretty effectively. Uh, he's actually, he's underrated putting it on the floor and getting by bigger guys and drawing fouls. And then obviously he has that pull-up game, uh, that he can use as well. And he just, and he's pretty good on the block against small. So depending on, on who ends up checking him, that could be, that could be a potential advantage for OKC. And then I just think offensive rebounds and just mashing them with Steven Adams is, is their other way to profit. Yeah. Danny and I talked a lot about this series 
today. But one thing I probably should have mentioned more is I think the team that just has better defensive discipline is going to be at a huge advantage. Can you just avoid fouling on bullshit? <laughs> oh my god you know i completely forgot what a tiresome series this is going to be between harden and, and cp well gallo too <laughs> is another gallo. one right yep 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 i mean okay see aren't they like number one in the nba in free throw they're like pretty close to the top if they're yeah if they're not yeah let me see here uh the clippers are one miami two okc three houston four over the course of the entire season so yeah i think gallo in particular it just and Chris Paul, when they're in the bonus, Harden, it's a little harder because he's he's actually beating you first and then yeah. drawing the contact a lot of times. Like he's actually getting that contact out of an advantage that he has. Harden has actually done a lot less bullshit uh, in the last year or two than he did a few years ago. Yeah, I agree with that. But Paul Gallinari, I mean, anytime Gallinari drives, he's just going to try and draw the foul. Yeah. Now, one interesting thing, the, the Thunder as a team do not foul. Yeah. 28th in opponent uh, free throw rate per 100. Um, so, which puts them probably in a little better situation against uh, against a team like Houston. Okay, we'll, we'll do our predictions here at the end, so what, we'll save what, that. What was your most yeah. interesting? Was that was it this series as oh, well? Oh, yes, yes, it, it was this series okay. also. Right. It might have been Utah-Denver if there weren't all these injuries and absences. Yeah. And same thing. It probably would have been Boston, Philly before the Ben Simmons injury. But the, those are my th- were my three candidates. Sure, um, sure. Least interesting series, non-Brooklyn, Orlando division. <laughs> right. So of the other six, what is the least interesting? I got to say, I, like, I think it might end up being a pretty decent series. I just, I'm having a hard time getting excited about Denver, Utah. There's, there's players missing and there's, I, I don't know, they're not... Real like the best matchup, I guess, is between the centers, but it's not. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I just. I'm, am I wrong here? I'm just having a hard time with it. Well, I think strategically, it's going to be fascinating because both of these coaches just don't kind of really know what they have yeah, right now, exactly. and we don't know whether Harris and Barton are going to play at this point. I mean, I saw them working out some video of them working out before the game on Friday and seemed like they were moving around okay. So maybe we'll see them at some point, but you can't count on them to play big minutes right at the beginning. Conley, it came down today that as was expected, yep. he's going to have to leave the bubble and his child was born today, but he'll at a minimum, even if he comes back nearly immediately, he's going to have to miss four days with the quarantining, assuming he's able to get tested while he was gone. And so that's going to make things a little bit difficult. I, but I think strategically, I think this is going to be interesting. There's a lot of players. I'm always interested in just seeing players that I don't know that well in larger roles. So how they're going to react, Porter Jr. and some of these bench guys on the Jazz. Uh, to me, though, I think actually it's Portland Lakers is the least interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm you know I'm kind of a league pass dork. That's why I can't go against the the Jazz and and Denver just because I think Portland just doesn't have the horses. I think that's going to be. A short series, it's going to be just Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum trying to bomb away. But I just, Portland has so little chance of stopping these guys. But I, I will say this, other than those two series that we're probably not going to talk about too much, uh, I think all six of the remaining ones really have something to recommend. Like, I don't think Portland LA is going to be a bad series. If you just force me to pick one, that would be it for me. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of times, uh, you know, in the first round, especially with all these games, uh, you kind of 
curate your viewing maybe <laughs> to 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 eliminate the least interesting one so i i don't i don't see myself curating the the lakers portland at least until it's 20030 no. compared um, to your typical 18 it's better yeah exactly and 27 i would say the same as well in the west yeah definitely you all know that I have had a wonderful partnership with Helix Sleep going back to 2015. So I can tell you that they are offering their best deal ever right now, up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free dream pillows with every mattress order. Helix has comfort designed for everybody. I'm kind of a weird size and shape, 6'6", six, six, uh, about 220, give or take. My wife is a lot smaller than me, but we were able to find a Helix Sleep mattress that worked for us with their proprietary sleep quiz only takes two minutes at that helixsleep.com slash per link easy to remember because john invented per take that two minute sleep quiz they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life if you want a soft medium or firm bed you could be a side sleeper a back sleeper a stomach sleeper you sleep too hot you sleep too cold well they have a mattress that will work for you regardless they've been awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by gq wired magazine and now apartment therapy as well yet another accolade for helix sleep the way to get started with them again and get that up to $200 off all mattress orders is helixsleep.com slash PR, H-E-L-I-X, helixsleep.com slash PR. Don't forget that slash PR URL to let them know that you came from us. So much as it pains me, I have to admit that a big portion of this show's demographic is nerds. I consider myself a nerd. I've learned from one of the best, John Hollinger. I hope it's not news to John that he might also be a nerd. But that's right. This is a nerd safe zone here. And it is my duty to tell my fellow nerds about Masterclass. We all love learning a lot more. Masterclass on basically any subject you want to learn more about at this point is the best way to do it. You can learn from now as many as 80 masters if you want to. Chris Voss on the art of negotiation, David Sedaris on humor and personal essays, Neil deGrasse Tyson, scientific thinking and communication. If you want to learn how to write, how to play tennis, how to play basketball, Margaret Atwood, Serena Williams, Stephen Curry, amazing actors and actresses. Whatever your passion is, Masterclass probably has a class for you. And at masterclass.com slash PR, you can get $30 off the first year of an annual subscription to Masterclass. That's masterclass.com slash PER to claim your discount to claim your discount 15% off $30 off the annual all access pass at masterclass.com slash PER. Okay. This one we can spend a lot of time on here. Individual player matchups you are most interested in seeing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with TJ Warren against Jimmy Butler. That was on my list as well. Uh, the one game Indiana and Miami played where both teams really tried. Uh, Butler did a really good job on him. and But Warren, I mean, Indiana needs him to to score at a high rate to make that an interesting series. And it's really his first big test as a leading man offensively. So I'm excited for that part. Um, and yeah, then but we, quickly on that, on that point, I'm, I went back and watched that game. I thought it was more number one. I thought Warren had some pretty good looks in that game that he just didn't knock down. He ended up. I would, five I would 14. agree with that. Um, and also I thought it was really the switching defense and the mobility of Miami that caused a, a few more problems necessarily rather than Butler, just like lock and trail uh, on that pin down out of the corner uh, for him. And uh, I also thought that Indiana did an extremely poor job of trying to get Warren a good matchup against either Dragic or Duncan Robinson. 
in that first game that they're really, especially if Miami's going to be switching more with Bam at center, yeah. that they got to really make Miami pay for having those guys in their starting lineup. Yeah, you you almost wonder if it was a uh, a don't show them anything game, but by Indiana, like did, yeah. did they just, did they just go vanilla and, and not not give them anything, and now they'll break out the real stuff in game one. Yeah, they're gonna go uh, vanilla bean in game one. <laughs> those might be the only two things that Nate McMillan has at his disposal. I think he has disappointed me in the postseason where you have to acknowledge he's been good in the regular season. But I, I've, I thought that he, uh, the 17 series and the 18 series against the Cavs in particular, I, I thought that they could have done a better job there. Mm-hmm. But, um, all right. So do you, anything more on that? Or do you have any other ones? Uh, what about Karis Levert against OG Ananobi? Yeah, I, I put that Karis LeVert uh, w- was going to feature prominently in another category that I had, which is star player with the toughest matchup. Oh, okay. And Kar- I mean, it gets the whole team. But do you, number one, do you think Ananobi guards LeVert? Possibly not. Uh, yeah. They could match. They could match up a few different ways. Sure. Uh, could be Kyle Lowry on him, I guess. Van Vliet, maybe. Could- Although I, I think Van Vliet's a good match for Joe Harris because he does so well tracking guys off the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they could go. They could go a few different ways. I, to me, it's interesting though. Just Levert against that defense because I think it's a really good test of like where where is this guy really in the yeah. in the spectrum uh, uh, of offensive players? You know, is is he really a guy to put the ball in his hands, or is he still is the shooting too shaky? Is it, or the, in the turnovers and whatnot. I mean, he's been good in the bubble games, but some of these games they played haven't been the the highest of stakes. So um, I'm, I'm really interested in that test. Yeah, definitely. And the thing too is that Toronto has so many guys that they can throw at him. I imagine they'll switch everything one through four with that, probably even one through five when the Nets go with a backup center with like a Corix, maybe a backup yeah. center because they just don't have a traditional yeah. backup center. Maybe you'll even see Ibaka switching on to Levert. And the Raptors are also just so good at providing help at the rim and then also closing out on shooters. You know, he's not going to have just that open lane against Hassan Whiteside like he did in that that Portland matchup, <laughs> right. right? Like he's he's going to be seeing a lot of bodies mm-hmm. as he tries to navigate in, even if he is thinking that he has a decent individual matchup, sure. which, you know, I don't see that either. I mean, that, that Toronto defense just has no holes in it. It is really Really impressive. solid. Rock solid. Yep. So here's one that I had, and this isn't necessarily guys at the same position, mm-hmm. but Damian Lillard against Anthony Davis. So uh, you're saying when the Lakers switch and or when Portland switches? Well, or if they go with a more conventional pick-and-roll defense as well. Because remember, going back to 2018, Lillard really got shut down in that series against the Pels. They got swept. That was mm-hmm. a, a big pain point for him. He's played much better since then. But Anthony Davis playing at center, we'll see if the Lakers go to that, or at the four as well. Mm-hmm. But whether it was moving his feet in pick-and-roll defense, trapping, uh, or switching, I think if you're going to play a conventional style that doesn't involve just a straight switch, Anthony Davis might be the best big man in the league to go against Damian Lillard. Because we saw Lillard, he's just traffic owning these guys like Porzingis yeah. and Jared Allen in those last few games. He's not be able to do that against Anthony Davis, I would think. Right, right. So that would be interesting. I mean, he's going to have a pretty tough task, I think, uh, Lillard. Because to me, it's almost more about the big man in the pick and roll Mm-hmm. against Lillard than like who the actual 
defender is guarding him because Nurkic is such a good screener. Lillard's so good at setting it up. Like you can't just take him away with a drop coverage and one guy trying to get over the screen. Like you got to involve the big man more than you would against most guys. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then because the big man has to come out so high when day makes that pocket pass, can, can Davis track back and get back in the play? I think he probably can. I think most other bigs cannot. That's a great point there. Yeah. Um, any other ones that popped out to you? Uh, I mean, Jokic against Gobert. Yeah, I mean, definitely. This is because those two guys are going to be guarding each other. And yeah. the best defensive center against the best offensive center, I, I would say it right now. It, maybe that's Carl Anthony Towns, but uh, he, he will not be participating in these playoffs, sadly <laughs> enough. So, uh, yeah, I, I, that's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to that one. How, how have you felt that Gobert has done against Jokic over the years? You know, I haven't really monitored their matchups that closely. It, di- it did seem like Jokic got the better of it th- uh, this year a little bit. Um, I, I, I can't say that I've like studied their heads to heads, uh, in, in a way that I have a strong opinion on it. Yeah. I thought Jokic looked good in that double overtime crazy game that they played. It fouled Gobert out of the game. One thing I think is going to be huge is, you know, which of those guys gets into foul trouble. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously if go, if Gobert in particular, if he gets fouls, I mean, that's a nightmare for, for Utah because of their depth situation. Denver probably has a little bit more optionality. I mean, Jeremy Grant's played pretty well. Uh, Plumlee, I think, is not that great for playoff basketball at this point, but certainly probably still better than anything Utah has. I describe him, I describe Plumlee as, uh, over eager on both ends. Point Plumlee, man. Come on. Uh, he may be, this is another one that if you haven't been, uh, listening to as much of my content, he may be my least favorite player in the league aesthetically. His hook shots uh, can uh, can cause some damage. The, the, the ambitious post-ups, yes, are always uh, uh, well, humorous. Yeah. And not only that, but what he, like this is something that I think a lot of people don't understand is if a big man posts up, you basically have to give him the ball because you can't do anything else now. Like You can't run a pick and roll. He's not running out there to do that. You're going to try and drive. Maybe if they're fronting him, you can try and drive the front. But if you're the big man is standing there demanding the ball, like, He's kind of blocking you from doing anything else, so you have yeah. to give it to him. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, next one for me. Yeah, uh, last thing I'll say, actually, on, on Jokic and Gobert, I do think that Jokic, to me, the weight that he's lost, he's not, like, jumping any better, really, but I think his first step is a little bit better than it had been. He's looked good. Uh, okay, next one for me. Four Rockets who aren't James Harden against mm-hmm. three Thunder who... Didn't just double team James Harden. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can, you know, presuming that Adams or Gallinari is one of the guys in the double team, can, can these other Oklahoma City players scoot around enough to, to close off the three point line or, or really close off the rim? You know, Houston's three point shooting is at a point where you almost live with it a lot of times. That's certainly what the Bucks' philosophy they, was. They take a lot of them, but they're they're not a devastating shooting team anymore. Um, you know, I think when they had Ryan Anderson and peak Eric Gordon, it was a little different. And now you're like, uh, all right, Austin Rivers, like fire away, like let's see what you got. Um, yeah, the Jeff Green, PJ Tucker. I mean, if they're yeah. in the corner, I think it's a little different. But um, yeah, and without Westbrook. Like, what do you do behind the play 
let's say you double team Harden at the point of attack. I my personal thought is they're just going to send a second guy to it, almost play it kind of like it's a two three zone mm-hmm. where you just have two guards double team Harden at the top, and then you've got your bigs still back to protect the rim rather than forcing your bigs Gallinari and Adams to like get way out on the floor on Harden, and mm-hmm. that way you can kind of zone up behind the play a little bit easier. But what are you going to have those guys do behind the plate? Because usually they have Westbrook kind of slash to the free throw line, and that creates yeah. a jailbreak, right? And yeah. who's who's the guy on Houston that you can trust to do that? You it's probably, probably going to be you, Gordon at this point. You probably would have said Eric Gordon a year ago, but I, if I'm OKC, I'm probably taking my chances with that until he, he proves to me that he can make the play. Yeah. Uh, you know, these other guys, you know, Jeff Green, PJ Tucker, Robert Covington. I mean, they're, they're, they're not playmakers. That's not what they do. Uh, yeah. you know, is it Austin Rivers? Again, I'll probably, you know, if, 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 if Austin Rivers getting 50 is the thing that beats me, like I'm, I'm going for that, right? Yeah. Rivers, I mean, you know, granted he had the 41 in, in that mop up game in the seating games, but he at least can dribble. Exactly. And the, the more I think about it, if I were the Thunder, my thought would be, all right, we, we're going to stay on Eric Gordon when we double team so that Harden can't throw it directly to him. We want to direct the ball to either Tucker or Robert Covington, who is pretty atrocious driving the ball. And, you know, maybe even Rivers will keep, try to keep it out of his hands a little bit as well, because he at least can drive to the basket. He can, he can dribble the ball. And then if you throw it right to Robert Covington, we're going to just, we're not going to guard him initially, but we're going to sprint over to him and just recklessly close him out. So he has to put the ball on the floor and drive and make a decision. And by that point, our guys who just went and double teamed, one of them will be able to get back into the play. And we're going to force Robert Covington or PJ Tucker off the dribble to make the decision. So those are the guys that'd be leaving open initially. And yeah, those guys can shoot that first shot, but then you just sprint at them, run them yeah. off the line, make them dribble inside the arc. Yeah, and then I mean Houston. I'm assuming will have Covington in one corner and and uh, Tucker in the other, so that the first pass is likely to somebody else. Yeah, so maybe you even make it almost like a three man zone where you double team with two of the guards, and then the next guard is kind of just waiting around near the top of the key to see who the outlet mm-hmm. is and go pick up that guy. It's a triangle and two with both both of the two on Harden, right? That's what it is. I mean, I think you're probably right. That's I would I would consider that something like that in particular, and I'm sure they'll try to mix that up too, to where they don't just do it at half court. You just wait until Harden dribbles the air out of the ball, and then once he really starts to make his move, then you double team. Like you can mix that up a lot, but yeah. I think if they single team him, I don't see anyone on their team who can stop him. Particularly if they're just going to go screen and get the matchup anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other matchups that you want to talk about? Uh, I think, uh, there are a couple of them that I noted in some categories where we get further down here. Um, one more I was going to talk about is, well, actually, yeah, we can save that uh, for later too. Um, this one, these guys aren't probably going to be guarding each other, although I imagine the Clippers will try to get this matchup, but just Luka Doncic first, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this, this is what I had noted, uh, uh, that, that I had mentioned. Yeah. I mean, Luca's first playoff series, I think, is going to be challenging. Uh, if you look at the matchup, the Clippers can go small, switch everything, have start a possession with Kawhi Leonard on Chris Stapp's Przingis, and then just switch Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and like, okay, you're you're left with 
Porzingis posting up Paul George, like they'll they'll live with that, right? So I, I think that's going to be really tough. I I think you're right. I think they're going to put they're going to put Kawhi on the guy who's going to be in the pick and roll, and so that they can get the switch and and just switch everything. They'll start with George, and then oh, thank God I got Paul George off me. Oh, now I have to deal with Kawhi Leonard. Great, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I I think I mean that is a that is a brutal matchup for for Luca in his first playoff series. Yeah, I think Luca can actually do okay against some of these guys. I, I think he may, as you mentioned, end up having to ISO a little bit more necessarily than playing pick and roll because, yeah, I, they're definitely, I think if they start Zubac at center guarding Porzingis, you know, that could be a little bit of trouble. So, uh, but then on the other end, I mean, I really want to see the stress test of Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. We haven't seen either of those guys in the playoffs. Porzingis. Protects the rim really well, but struggles in other facets defensively, as we saw in that 61 point game that Lillard had. And Luca, not a terrible defender, but he's also, they're going to try and wear him down, I think, by going at him. And he's going to have to guard a real player on this Clippers team, almost certainly. And particularly because I think they'll try to get the matchup against him, even if he doesn't start the possession on uh, someone like George or Kawhi. And then, because if you start. If you start Luca on Patrick Beverly, then what? You're having Seth Curry guard Paul George? Yeah, tough, tough question. Um, okay, we started hitting on this here. The star player with the toughest matchup, Luca and Karis LeVert, definitely in that. Uh, anyone else come to mind for you who a star player is just this is not the perfect matchup for them? You know, I mentioned uh, T.J. Warren earlier. Um, yeah, but I mean, I- Miami's defense to me is really good. They've just looked so rock solid in these in these bubble games. And the thing I was going to say is that it's not just T.J. Warren. It's Oladipo and Brogdon and anything they do in click and roll, like Miami just switches it and puts Bam on the on the player dribbling, and there's just no advantage gained. Yeah, and I've talked about this a little bit too, and I think this might be the case for the Thunder as well. But if Miami is going to be switching, and maybe we're making a little too much of that, but I think we're going to see a reasonable amount of that, that – Indiana is not a team where it's like, oh, we're going to make all these quick cuts and slips and get inside position for the roll man off the mm-hmm. switch. Or, you know, we're going to move the ball quickly to the other side when you try to load up against our ISO against a matchup. Like they, to me, don't have that institutional knowledge that, you know, a team like Golden State did going against a switching defense where they're really able to get those, you know, 10 extra points a game where you force a miscommunication by really moving around and just being smarter than the other team. Like that's just not their game in my opinion. No. And even to the extent they did that at all this year, it was mostly with like McDermott and Sabonis stuff, which I mean, I don't know how much McDermott even plays and Sabonis obviously is out. Yeah. And McDermott, I think by the switching can be taken away quite well. Um, Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul actually, this is a very difficult matchup for him. Really? But I think you might disagree with me on that. I think, I, I think he, against the switching defense, okay, I I can understand that because it's not his standard snake the pick and roll, take the 15 foot pull up. So I, I could see that. Um, but I still think like some of, some of these guys that Houston is inevitably going to have on him just aren't that, just aren't that good. Right. Like it's, I mean, yeah, if he's trying to beat PJ Tucker every time, that's a problem. But, you know, is, is Robert Covington that great in isolation? Is, you know, or Ben McLemore? Is Chris or, Paul that great in isolation? Is though, Chris Paul that great? great in isolation? Yeah. <laughs> 
it might have to be more of a more of a Shea uh, Alexander or uh, or Dennis Schroeder series. I mean, Schroeder Schroeder's usage rate was really high. Um, you know, even when he played with the other guys, I think Shea is the guy that I think can just blow by guys like some of the in that Miami game. They only played really the first half. Mm-hmm. but he was just getting right by guys like his change of pace hesitation. Now that he can hit the three pointer off the dribble, I think he could really show out in this series with a chance to get to the basket. And, you know, he's not an incredibly athletic finisher, but he's not going to like, you know, draw, let PJ Tucker draw a charge on him. He's going to be under control. He can use yep. that scoop game. Houston doesn't really have anyone with the length to challenge him. So once he gets past the first guy, I think he could finish at the rim pretty well. And I also think you make a great point about Covington. I think Covington underrated as a help defender, overrated as an on-ball guy. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul, by the way, fourth on the Thunder in usage rate this year. Yeah, yeah. But Paul, you know, the Thunder again. They want to. They got all these guys who dominate the ball. They're not really high up in the league in assists. And I think Houston, if anyone knows Chris Paul's game well, that okay, you got to force him to left. You can't let him get to that right elbow and an ISO. We got to avoid fouling. I think Houston doesn't have the greatest individual defenders, but at least they know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pro- probably the easiest guy for them to scheme for with their system. And Ale- Gilgis Alexander and Gallinari probably a bigger a bigger problem for them. And and Adams once the shot goes up. So it used to be that food delivery was basically pizza, maybe your local Chinese place. Definitely no longer the case now with DoorDash. So many restaurants in your community are on DoorDash now. It's the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. You open the DoorDash app, you choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. They have over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. You can support your local go-tos or you can choose from national favorites like Chipotle, Wendy's, and Cheesecake Factory. And once again, those DoorDash deliveries are all contactless now. Keep communities we operate in safe, but you get a little notification on your phone when it's been delivered so you can go out and grab it as soon as the dasher has left right now our listeners can get five dollars off and zero delivery fees on their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the doordash app and enter the code locked on nba the name of this network that's five dollars off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the doordash app in the app store and enter code locked on nba once more code locked on nba for five dollars off your first order of fifteen dollars or more at doordash David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store star player with the easiest matchup in the first round uh how about joel Embiid? yes this is actually one of the matchups that i was talking about but it's really 
it seems like it's going to be Joel Embiid against Brad Stevens more than against any individual player. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the the guy starting against him, Daniel Tice, has a high foul rate, which when combined with all the fouls that Joel Embiid draws, <laughs> makes you makes you think that he won't be sticking around very long. So we start getting into Ennis Cantor, Robert Williams, and, you know, maybe Grant Williams, maybe a lot of grab bag, different stuff that Brad Stevens pulls out here. So this was my idea. How about you just go to close games with your five best players who are all smalls because you're going to have to double team anyway. So who cares if you have a small guy guarding Embiid? If it's Tice, like you have to put two on the ball regardless. So what does it matter whether it's Tice or Jalen Brown guarding Embiid? And then you can at least get the advantage on the other end of spacing Embiid out, which you wouldn't necessarily have with one of their traditional centers. I think it's worth a shot. I mean, the thing you always worry about trying to play like that is, does Embiid just walk into the smile, turn around, and, you know, they throw him the ball there, and like, okay, you double-teamed him, but he's already dunking on you, so it doesn't matter. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is one thing, actually, I I think is going to be huge for Boston, is getting pressure on the passer uh, to get it into the post against Embiid. Don't let him throw those easy lobs over the top those easy duckins force them to like throw it to Embiid 15 feet from the basket so you can load your defense up oh absolutely yeah yeah they'll um th- th- they'll have to be smart about that and it's and it's kind of counterintuitive because Philadelphia isn't a team where you think oh we got to put all this pressure on the perimeter right but you kind of do to to take away those those entry passes yeah and if you want to challenge those guys to drive by you that's not really Philly's strength but that said, I mean, I do expect Embiid to have a pretty huge series. And, uh, I mean, do you think they even go a single possession without double-teaming him? <laughs> I could I could see them playing straight up in the first quarter of game one just to see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, you're probably right about that. Coaches are uh, pretty conservative in game ones, you know? They kind of – and a lot of them, I think, have an idea of what they're going to do, but they just want to – they just want to see the – uh the 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 baseline first maybe psychologically because we've almost like started a whole new season we saw this with Spolstra and switching up his starting lineup yeah that you don't almost have these sunk costs of oh we got to dance with Hubrunga this is entire regular season you know Myers Leonard has earned all this equity starting all year because it's starting anew and it's just been so variable in the bubble Maybe that will anchor coaches a little less to what they had done previously. You, yeah, you you would hope so because that's always been a frustrating thing in the postseason. Like, like, well, why did you wait till game four? Like, <laughs> we knew this was a problem going in. So, um, you 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 would hope that that that's something we see in these series. Another player who has a preposterously easy matchup is LeBron James. Okay, so that was the next guy on my list. Um. So, uh, what about Super Mario, Nate? <laughs> Super Mario, you're you're giving away the New Jersey roots right there by pronouncing it Mario. <laughs> that's how that's how my grandfather used to pronounce it. <laughs> well, not not uh not not feeling the uh, the Blazers' defensive juggernaut against uh, big wings. Uh well, LeBron's eighty pound weight advantage over Wenyan Gabriel could help him a little bit. Yeah, I w- I do wonder how much they'll post him up versus how much perimeter uh they'll have him doing. Yeah, uh, that's true. He he doesn't really seem to want to post up. Yeah, yeah. But 
I really, and it's the way they are designed makes it tougher because when you have a bunch of perimeter guys who can't dribble, someone has to like get him into position yeah. to actually, now he could just, you know, clear the side out and back down. You know, yeah, the, the old also. Magic Johnson post up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, even in pick and roll as well, like are they, if Zach Collins can even play, are they going to, if they put Gabriel or Collins on him, they can just run a pick and roll. They're not going to be able to get over the screen and. I'm sure they'll try to go under or whatever. Trent is too small. Carmelo is he Carmelo actually is like played well against LeBron historically, even defensively, more than you would expect, but uh we're talking about history, not thirty five year old Carmelo. Yeah, I I think Carmelo's gonna end up guarding him though. I may maybe it's just just because he's LeBron's friend, LeBron's not. No, I mean just, just like in terms in of goal. in terms of the size, yeah. like who who else on Portland, can do, I mean Zach Collins made like I don't I don't really think so. <laughs> like, no, it, it's uh, just don't even bother going through the permutations. You just <laughs> it just gets even worse. Just, uh, <laughs> um, Kawhi Leonard also has a fantastically easy matchup. I think he does. They'll probably put Hardaway on him. I guess they've used Hardaway to guard top opposing wings this year, which is like not great. And yeah, I, I mean, Finney Smith is the other option. Finney Smith. And then will they go to Kid Gilchrist at all? I don't think so because it just completely subverts the theory of their offense. Yeah. That's, the, that's the issue, right? It just, just nukes you so bad offensively that it's, you know, other than end of quarters last shot, it's probably not worth it. So Kleba, I think actually can be decent against Kawhi and I. So although I, I mean, I don't know about you. I think Kawhi looks awesome right now. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and I I think the the Clippers in general, even with you know missing guys and trying to get back into their groove or whatever, I, I think they've generally looked really good, especially when any of their like best ten players have played. Yeah, Paul George looks way better to me as well, and they've gotten plenty of rest. Those guys are going to be ready to play a lot of minutes. Zubats has played really well. Reggie Jackson looks good. Uh, Morris is probably the one guy you'd have some questions about. Yeah, I thought he started to round into form a little bit, but he got he got a late start due to what is likely a COVID nineteen diagnosis. I don't think right. it ever was officially confirmed. So, but yeah, I mean, none of those guys I think are going to be able to do anything against Kawhi. And then the other problem is, all right, you're going to put your DFS or Kleba on Kawhi. Then who's going to guard Paul George now as well? Maybe if you're going to play Kleba and Porzingis and DFS together, then you're probably going to be a, at a little bit less firepower offensively. I don't know how many minutes Kleba can play and stay out of foul trouble. It, it's and, and I think if I'm Dallas, I'm just going to kind of maybe I'll double team a lot because the Clippers aren't an amazing passing team. They don't necessarily want to take a ton of threes. So maybe yeah. that's it, your option and just hope to outscore them. I think that you really got to just go with your best offensive groups to me if you're Rick Carlisle. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's a little bit of a master of junking up the the game yeah. with stuff like that. And, you know, all of a sudden he has four guards in the game and you're like, how is this working? And, <laughs> but, uh, but somehow it does with him. So I see, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you though. I think, I think Kawhi on paper, I mean, Kawhi has a, has a very favorable matchup. What's our next category here? Best coaching matchup. Ah, apropos that we're talking about the Clippers Mavs series in that case. I would say so. I mean, Rick Carla is a pretty deep bag of tricks. I think Doc Rivers is uh, underrated in a lot of respects, but 
I mean, he's able, he's always been able to make adjustments in games and, and, uh, get, get personnel that, that suits what they're trying to do on the floor. So uh, to me, that, that's an interesting one. It would be more interesting if they had, uh, a little more comparable talent wise on each team. I, th- I think Clippers are just too good for them is the problem. So th- there's not as much like X's and O's, you know, kind of stuff to really nerd out on because of that. So. This is actually a higher number than I thought. According to Synergy, the Mavs played zone defense 5.2% of the time this year. I think that's something that they should consider doing more of because it's a way to keep Kristaps Porzingis close to the basket where he's the most effective. Just kind of junk it up. The, and makes force it a the little bit to pass, harder to right? ISO. What'd you say? And force the Clippers to pass multiple yes. times. Yeah. yeah. Like really, this is not a team that just pings the ball all over the place. And just to kind of junk them up. Let them Kawhi, I think, really has like certain cues that really can make him comfortable, certain spots he likes to get to, and just make his angles of attack a little bit different. And you know, we saw him use that to great effect back in twenty eleven against LeBron James and Somewhat yep. of a similar challenge here. You know, that Heat team didn't move the ball incredibly well either. They also had great perimeter stars. Now, it, it would be nice if you had Sean Marion and Tyson Chandler on this team defensively. They don't have that, but Porzingis maybe is a little bit similar to that as a rim protector. And mm-hmm. you, if you want to say, all right, Kawhi, we're going to play zone. If you want to kind of back down over our smallest defender, like find him on the floor and shoot a 15 footer our offense is so good that maybe we can keep up with you if all you're shooting is mid-rangers on the other end. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. That that's that's interesting. That's 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 a great point. You're right. They the the zone should be a big part of what they do. Yeah, and uh, Carlo, I I'm excited to see him. This is really the first team and, and I don't think they have a chance to win this series, but this is really the first team he's had with this much talent since 2011 in the playoffs and, you know, I thought his 2011 coaching performance was one of the best we've ever seen in the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm, I'm absolutely. curious to see what he can come up with here. Yeah. Next category, biggest coaching mismatch. Oh, man. Why you got to be so mean like that? I don't know. Like, why are coaches such fucking sacred cows? <laughs> like, we, like <laughs> we criticize players all the time. Announcers criticize players all the time. But, it, like, if you criticize a coach, it's like, ooh, you'd say that he got out coached. Like, <laughs> You know, no, like yeah. coaches can struggle just as, as much as players. Like they're, I, I don't know why coaches just like have this armor somehow that players don't have. Well, just one time I want to hear somebody on TV be after a coach gets fired, be like, yeah, that makes sense. He kind of sucked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't hear that when a player gets cut, you don't hear this same just belly aching. And hey, <laughs> guess what? Most players who get cut don't have guaranteed money left. Pretty much every coach that gets fired has guaranteed money left. So not going to cry a river for, for those guys. Um, uh, so that said. Getting back to your question. Um, I think after last year, Mike Malone has some questions uh, to answer. And he's going against Quinn Snyder, who's who's generally been pretty good with the clipboard and playoff series. Uh, however, I'm, I'm worried that Quinn brought a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, although... Maybe Malone brought like a sword to the gunfight. <laughs> like still, still better, but like also not a gun. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, they, both of these teams are really limited. It's hard to know uh, without the health situation what's going to happen. There. But yeah, I, I think that's one where the Jazz have generally overperformed 
to me. I know they've had some struggles against Houston and like, you know, their game three last year was a really disappointing game, but I think that they generally, when they've had a matchup that wasn't Houston or Golden State, they've won it. And I don't know that the talent differential is so different here when you've got a team that has underperformed before and a team that's overperformed before in the playoffs that maybe it makes you start to think about things. Um, any others that come to mind for you? Uh, I think Philly fans would argue for Brad Stevens versus Brett Brown. Yeah, I thought Brown actually did well in the playoffs last year. I thought he made some moves that really righted the ship for Philly after they got blown out in that game one against Toronto. And I thought Toronto was the better team in that series and Philly really pushed them. So, um, you know, that's another one where his quiver just uh, isn't as large as Brad Stevens, but yeah. certainly I would say Boston has the coaching advantage there. I don't know if it's a mismatch in my yeah. 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 How about Nick Nurse versus Jock Vaughn? Yeah. You know, I, what I was going to say is anybody versus Nick Nurse. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see Jock Vaughn in a, in a playoff series, which obviously he didn't get to do in, in Orlando. He had the Nets playing well in the bubble, I think far better than anyone expected. Uh, but I think there's still some questions based on how his last tenure went. Well, and it's just, it's not even a, that's not even a slam on Jock Vaughn. It's just Nick Nurse is really, really good. And yeah. also, Jock Vaughn also has, has a very limited number of buttons to push compared to Nick Nurse. Spolster versus McMillan. I would also say that he'd have a pretty big advantage in that matchup. Uh, just in terms of being able, to, guys who have made adjustments in playoff series and, and done that. I mean, McMillan did a great job this year with that team, but yeah. when we're talking about, lining up the chess pieces in a playoff series that's that's where mcmillan still has something to prove and that goes back to his portland days really yeah i would say his teams have a a history of underperforming and even going back to i guess he did win a series when he was with the sonics right the 2005 see the coach of them then uh i believe that's correct yeah yeah they uh yeah and then gave san antonio a pretty good fight in the second round they beat Sacramento in the Jerome James series. Oh, yeah. I, a series that Isaiah Thomas was watching incredibly intently. <laughs> All right, oh, see, see we, we have been covering the league for a long time. See? see? Yes, exactly. Really? <laughs> um, series with the most variables. I think that's pretty clearly... Nuggets, Jazz, just due to all the yeah. health situations. Yeah. And not only the health situation, but just the number of new players and new roles and not knowing who's going to be available. So those are, uh, the, Michael Porter Jr. is really, you know, we thought he might not even hardly play and now he looks like their second best player all of a sudden. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's the, probably the biggest one. Um, Indiana, Miami but, maybe yeah. could go that way. Uh, there's a lot of different ways. Miami can line up. I, I just, in, Indiana though is kind of static. I mean, they, they have what they have at this point with, with their four best players. And like those guys are going to play all the minutes. So there's not as many options, uh, for, for Indiana to change things up. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls. And I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. 
Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Let's do this one next. Uh, most obvious starting lineup change. Uh, Gary Trent for Zach Collins. Now that's interesting. I said the most obvious starting lineup change is JaVale McGee not starting anymore for the Lakers and starting Anthony Davis at center, which I then thought would make Portland have to go with Gary Trent for Zach Collins. Okay. Okay. But uh, I think one of those, I think one of those is going to happen. And if one happens, then the other is much more likely yeah. to happen. I, I guess I had sort of priced in already that JaVale wouldn't start. Uh, so yeah. we'll, we'll see how, how Frank Vogel lines up for game one. Uh, the Lakers starting lineup has sucked. Well, so what yeah. do you think? You're going to start Howard or are you just going to start AD and, and Kuzma? I would start AD, Kuzma, LeBron at the three, four, yeah. five. Yeah. I, I would do that too, just because you're, to me, you're bailing Portland out by staying big. You're giving them, they've got bigs and they've got guards. And so you're yeah. bailing them out by letting them a chance, play two bigs together and also get more rim protection when your whole offense is about attacking the rim. So you, you really, I think you just forced the issue. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic really struggled to guard Anthony Davis in that 2018 series. And I think you want to just force that matchup again, tire out Nurkic as well, get him in foul trouble. It, it seems like it's so obvious. I, Frank Vogel doesn't seem like the, the proactive type in a playoff series. So we'll see. He's got some questions to answer too. You know, I think the, absolutely going back yeah. to 2016, that's why he got fired. I think was because he yeah. kind of didn't didn't quite manage things well enough in that uh that big comeback that the Raptors had in 2016. Yeah, absolutely. The um uh the Blazers with Trent in the in the lineup though have been so massively better. I mean, it's their only lineup with three real wing players or three real perimeter players, excuse I, I, me. I mean, maybe to, the the thought would be put Gary Trent for Kamal Anthony, but they're never going to do that. No, and I th- I think there's a case for like with Carmelo at 4 they're actually really hard to guard when they when they when they play those five players. Oh I yeah, mean, that is an offense, right? Yeah, uh, I definitely think their closing lineup and Carmelo, as well as he's played, and as much as Zach Collins has struggled, has changed my opinion on this. I think Carmelo has should be closing over Zach Collins. Yeah, yeah. But um, any other ones that popped out to you? Well, let's see. We we talked about the Lakers one. I mean, does the the Porter one? I guess has already been made. I. I, I just don't see how Denver can start Gary Harris in this series. I mean, maybe they, maybe they'll pull him out to play against Mitchell, but I even like, I don't know, even, I'd even like Will Barton, uh, maybe better at the two for them. Harris just hasn't really gotten on track this year. Yeah. And his injury issues, his COVID-19 diagnosis, probably not helping him in that either. Harris's theoretical skill set works better to me particularly guarding donovan mitchell where i think harris is, is pretty underrated guarding those smaller guards but yeah i'm uh and then barton as the the main guy on the second unit it makes more sense and they can still jigger things around that way even if barton starts but i think it's just going to depend on health ultimately for that one how about i could see just, houston, yeah yeah go ahead Sorry. i could see houston uh Changing things up. Go. Um, I actually wrote in my comp for the athletic that I could see them starting Ben McLemore, 
But if the, if the traps are a problem, you could also see them turn to Austin Rivers. Yeah, I think they're going to want to maintain as much size as possible in their starting group, particularly to guard Gallo. I think Gallo against Macklemore is something that really could be a big problem for them. And Macklemore is also another guy who's not exactly Mr. Dribble. Mm-hmm. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But then, I mean, it's that's all. Uh, that's all. You're depending on Eric Gordon then, though. Yeah, I think they're just going to have to. You think Gordon's just not going to have it? I thought he looked better before he sprained his ankle, and then in that one, that brief cameo in that meaningless game against Philly, he's lost some weight. So I'm hopeful he'll be better. That's, I mean, that's an interesting swing variable right there. Not just for this series, I think for any hope of them giving the Lakers a fight in round two is what is what is Eric Gordon right now? Yeah, last one that I had. Justin Holiday replacing Aaron Holiday in the Pacers starting line. Okay, so I speculated that Justin Holiday might finish the games, but I'm not sure if he'll start the game. Well, what what is the point of Aaron Holiday in the starting lineup? That's what I don't understand. They kind of like him. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, know. I think like, he's a good player. I, I like him. In fact, he will feature prominently in another uh, potential rotation move that we'll talk about later. But uh, I think he just having him in the starting lineup, you've got Oladipo, Warren, and Brogdon – already yeah he's not a great spot up shooter and i think most importantly you just need someone to guard duncan robinson and goran dragic and i think i like oladipo on dragic and i think holiday is really good at getting through screens he could guard duncan robinson he's got more size and length i don't know who aaron holiday is gonna guard out there and yeah he's a, a decent pick and roll player but you you've got all these other guys you want to give the ball to over him like is especially if they're switching you're gonna go to Aaron Holiday and an ISO in his matchup, I think you'd rather just give it to your playmakers and then spread the floor. Right. So you'd rather you'd rather have Justin Holiday parked in the corner, basically. And, yeah, and it, but it's more of a defensive change than an offensive change. That's interesting. Have him as the chase because I thought they would have Oladipo as the chase guy on Duncan Robinson. But you're right. If you if you don't have Aaron Holiday out there, you can put Oladipo on Dragic instead. Yeah, because I don't know. I don't know if I like Aaron Holiday against Dragic I think Dragic is going to really take advantage of him with his experience he'll draw some fouls he'll just meander in the lane and just shoot over him Dragic has looked good in the uh yeah. in the bubble one of one of the guys who probably changed my thought on him versus how I felt about him in March okay rotation players most likely to have their roles cut uh can we get another uh shout out for Super Mario <laughs> he's got to play at least a little bit but I would recommend against Hassan Whiteside, Mario Hazonia, and Carmelo Anthony all playing together like they did in the play-in game. <laughs> yeah, that was rough, right? The um, it, it was interesting the second half because Stotts DNP'd him and went with uh, Wayne and Gabriel. So in in terms of players who are who are kind of a little more renowned, um, I could see Gary Harris getting uh kind of deleted from Denver's mix. Um, this isn't getting knocked out of the rotation entirely, but what about Al Horford moving back to a lesser role? That's going to be fascinating in that series. Who is he going to guard? I guess they'll put him on Jalen Brown to start. That's that's what they'd have to do. But the thing is, like when Boston goes to their bench and starts putting in these bad players, like those are like that's when you can play Horford and Embiid together if like Grant Williams is one of the guys out there, right? or Wanamaker or whatever, like there are ample opportunities to hide Horford, or not even hide. I mean, he's a good defender. He just he, he can't, you don't want him on these all-star guards on Boston though. Um, 
there are so many opportunities once the Celtics go into their bench, and it's almost like Brett Brown has to has to scheme for what Boston substitutions will be to really maximize his Horford minutes. Yeah, that's an interesting point there. And, I mean, I guess starting and closing games, Brown, they stagger guys more than just about anyone. I mean, basically, when your best player in B goes out with five minutes gone by in the first and third quarters, uh, as a general rule, it kind of doesn't matter as much who you're starting because you're basically going to your bench unit anyway at that point. So maybe it doesn't matter as much eventually. But, I, I mean, I think... It, if they're going to win this series, to me, I think they got to just go all in on defense and just hope that Embiid can carry them enough offensively. And I think Horford has to be part of that. But yeah, that's a question. If Jalen Brown starts cooking him, then they got problems. Because the other thing is, if Horford's guarding Jalen Brown, that means Tobias Harris is guarding Gordon Hayward, right? Yeah. That's suboptimal. Okay, here's one for me. Okay. In that same series, Robert Williams has actually been playing. I don't I mean, maybe you can play him when Embiid's not in the game, but if Embiid's going to play 40 minutes, uh, Robert Williams will be limited to eight minutes a game. I think they're going to play Canner against Embiid. I don't think it's going to be yeah. Robert Williams. And certainly these reserve Boston perimeter guys, I think they're going to get every possible minute out of their five good perimeter guys. Now, Walker, eh, you know, a little concerned about whether he, they say he's not going to have any minutes restrictions, but I don't think Brad Stevens wants to play him 40 minutes a game every game. No, we're, we're going to end up seeing some Alana maker. In particular, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But maybe it, the perimeter guys beyond that will probably see some semi-Ogile, uh, but they, they do have some holes there. I think they're going to try and avoid playing those guys as much as possible. Uh, another another rotation guy we, who I think we might not see, uh, Nerlens Noel. Yeah, that that one occurred to me, but it's, it's just who who the hell else do they have? They don't have anyone else. Baisley? As a, so you think he's going to be the backup center? I, they'll play Gallinari at five. Yeah, I mean, that's not a lot of rim protection, but I guess if you're going to say, to me, that's, they've played with the center basically this entire season. Yeah. Having to totally change up how you play. If this whole double teaming, you know, pseudo triangle and two that we talked about isn't tried or doesn't work, then yeah, I think you're probably right. But I think Noel back on the back line protecting the rim. Also, they can play him whenever Harden's out of the game too. That's true. If they, if they really, uh, try to match up the minutes i mean adams is probably going to be out of the game longer than harden is but yeah yeah that's uh, um in that same series though anyone who can't shoot on the thunder so like half their team <laughs> because uh, yeah they, they, i mean they're gonna dare dort to make shots certainly yeah if, if he even is available yeah uh you know anytime one of these guys like Baisley or you know nader or or you know Roberson, who's back for them. All those guys, they're just going to dare Ferguson. them to fire away. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what Houston does. They don't have much rim protection, but they've historically done a great job of helping off the guy who can't shoot and really making that guy beat them. And so I, I actually think that Nader has looked awesome shooting the ball in the bubble. He's really worked on his shot and. I think that's that's actually become a plus for him. Okay. And if you're doing a bunch of double teaming, you don't have to worry about him getting taken advantage of as much by Harden defensively. So he might actually be the best option there because you just need you have to spread the floor for your guys to go in these ISOs against Houston. If they can just pack the paint against you, you're you're not going to be able to score against them. Anyone else stick out to you? A potential uh, rotation player who might get their minutes cut? Uh, does Emmanuel Moutier count? Yeah, I think they should 
avoid playing him. Yeah, I, there I, are. I think that many ship, other players who that ship probably sailed. Rather. It seems like Mieoni might get some of those minutes now. T.J. McConnell is the guy for me who I, I think McMillan's a little more stuck in his ways, but McConnell lost minutes last year in the playoffs. I've talked before about how he McConnellizes the game on yeah. offense. Yeah. And he just has to have the ball because if he doesn't, he's not being guarded. And he does give them something pushing the pace, but the particularly the combination of he and Oladipo on the second unit, I think, is a really bad fit. And that's why I think Holiday would be a much better fit on that second unit who can shoot it, whereas McConnell just can't. And Miami has a lot of size and length that can make things difficult for him as well. And yeah, McConnell did really change the series in Philly's favor somewhat in 2018. But last year it was clear that if you that's just because they didn't have enough good players in that series. So last year it was yeah. clear that you, if you focus in on him and don't guard him, he just and you don't give up kind of some of the dumb transition plays or like you know just forget to guard him while he gnashes under the basket and then shoots a mid ranger or yeah. over help yeah. on him too much. Like it, it, his game is very limited, and if you really focus in on the scouting report, he's it can be neutralized fairly easily. Yeah, if you start if you yeah, and then. You, so you're basically going then with if you start Justin Holiday, then you bring uh, Aaron Holiday and McDermott off the bench as your at the as your backups at the one through four spot, and and that probably gets you through the game, and you don't need to go to McConnell. Any others you got? I got one more. Uh, yeah, fire away. Uh, Vicha Zubac. I think he's been underrated. I think he's going to play a big role in a potential Lakers series. But it's going to be too difficult for him to just have to guard a shooter all the time. I think you basically, if I were Doc Rivers, I would try not to start him and then try and get some minutes with him when Luca's on the bench. Because, you know, Porzingis, Kleba, or if they do this thing you're talking about with putting Kawhi on Porzingis so they can switch the Luca porzingis pick and roll, then where is Zubac going to guard? There's just too many capable shooters on this Mavs team, and I think it's going to be much more about mobility, keeping them out of the paint to begin with, than having that secondary rim protection for the Clippers in this series. Yeah, that's uh, that that one might have game two adjustment written all over it. Um, you know, especially once uh, Montrezl Harrell gets gets some of his wind, who's yeah, you know, maybe a little more capable of playing in space. Jamichael Green, maybe. Um, yeah, I like Harrell's matchup. Uh, attacking on some of those face-ups against Porzingis too. I think he can take advantage of it and maybe draw some fouls with his quickness. Yeah, we'll we'll obviously we'll have to see what kind of shape he's in too. Yep, and even Jamichael Green at center too. I, I like the idea for the Clippers on offense. I think they're better both offensively and defensively without Zubac out there in this particular matchup because then you can also force Porzingis to guard a shooter, which he is extremely uncomfortable doing. All right, we got about ten minutes left here. Okay, deep rotation players. Who could emerge? Uh, I think we're certainly going to see more of Wenyan Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, he, he. I mean, more likely than not, he starts. Right. Uh, I don't know if he's going to. I still can't. I think they got to start Trent, right? But I, I, I could see him playing. Depending, especially if they get fouls, I, I could see him playing some significant minutes. We'll, we'll see. Um, you know, this is kind of a deep cut, but I mean, Jakar Sampson is going to be the backup five for Indiana in this series. Seems like it. Uh, Bitadze has not looked good in his return no. from a knee injury. No, he's he's not ready at either end. Um, I think Utah will see somebody 
you're going to see somebody you haven't seen before out there for Utah, especially these first couple games with Conley out. And I don't know if it's going to be Mie Oni or Rajon Tucker, uh, but I, I think Jarrell Brantley, Jarrell Brantley, or Jarrell Brantley, or Jarrell Brantley. Uh, but you're going to see a different face out there. Who's the Utah going to start? Is Dark Clarkson or or Niang? I think or one of these other guys. I think the thing you do without Conley is you try to hide Niang in the starting lineup, and then at least you have a little bit more size out there. And then you keep Clarkson in the same role. Um, I think that's what you do. Yeah, I think Niang can give you a little more size against Millsap, hopefully, because he they may try to go into the post to Millsap. And in that Portland series, Millsap really had a nice uh, advantage. Like he can still score down there. Mm-hmm. So uh, that yeah, I mentioned Nader already. I, I mean. Like, uh, how desperate is Stotts going to get? Like, could Nasir Little get dusted off? Wow. Possibly. He has some size. Uh, maybe, as p- particularly if they're if they're down, you know, 2-0 and getting killed. They was like, well, let's at least give this guy some experience and maybe it'll work. Yeah. Against LeBron. Good luck. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, what about, like, uh, one of these random Boston guys? Could we say Javante Green? Yeah, I'm not sure what series it is that you need just more small wings, though. I like Javante Green at times. But he also takes, as a non-shooter, he kind of takes away from the theory of what they're trying to do offensively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we mentioned this being a Cantor series for Boston already. Um, Alec Burks? Could he close games for Philly, potentially? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think he's looked good here. I mean, certainly he's looked better than Milton. I, I think there's a decent chance he's closing games. Absolutely. With it, yeah. it, they need they need some you know some off the dribble juice. Um, yeah, I could see Burks and Tybalt both closing actually. Okay, next category here: the best defense in the playoffs. So this is not the best regular season defense. This is just what is the best defensive team in the playoffs? It's got to be Toronto over Milwaukee. One of the greatest regular season defenses of yeah. all time. I just I just think. Mo- so much of what Milwaukee does is scheme based, and to me, Toronto, their advantage is much more matchup based in terms of they're so solid at every spot that there's just no advantage where you're like, oh yeah, yeah. we can take that. Um, you know, probably your best bet is uh, to you know when when Mark Gasol has a has a real speed matchup, like Kemba Walker's a little bit of a problem for him. You know that that. That, that, and put him in pick and rolls like that. But even that, I mean, he's re- he's really sound in pick and roll and smart and knows, you know, doesn't get duped by dummy action. And, uh, and then when they go to Ibaka, they're probably a little more vulnerable, but they're, they're just, they're just tough. I mean, they're, they're, their guards are so strong that even though they're short, you can't really take advantage of it. Ananobi's really good, uh, on the ball. So is Siakam. It's it's just hard to get an advantage against that team. I completely agree with you. I, I mean, they they were last year one of the greatest playoff defenses, and they did lose Danny Green and Kawhi, but they got OG and Anobi back. And, and OG to me, he might be able to play at a higher level than Kawhi did last year because Kawhi he did okay on Giannis, but he was pretty slow otherwise. I mean, and Anobi, I've talked about him as I think he might be the best ISO defender in the league, regardless mm-hmm. of position, right and. Yeah, they've just got a ton of length. They got a ton of effort. They're all fresh right now. They have so much versatility, both from a coaching standpoint and just the number of weapons that they can throw at you, the number of ways they can play. It's, uh, yeah, I, I would actually put Toronto first as well. I mean, the Bucks, they are so good statistically and just 
they unless you have the horses to get them out of that base defense just the math doesn't work for you yeah but there are some teams maybe a boston that might be able to do that maybe the clippers will be able to do that so the bucks would be my number two there's a lot of really good defensive teams like miami looks awesome right now the lakers are always really good clippers Mm -hmm. have great personnel like this is yeah a lot of these teams are defensive teams that we expect to be going deep into the playoffs yeah we could see some scores go down a little from what we saw uh toward the end of the uh the bubble games best playoff offense i think portland with their five best players out there is with lillard playing like this is freaking lethal yeah that is a good one for unfortunately they uh would be at the bottom of the best playoff defense category yeah if, if there was a dh rule in basketball but like you could do it for your whole team it, so basically the wizards approach this season <laughs> yeah exactly yeah they're they're like the wizards but if they were a playoff team yeah yeah, unfortunately, they do not play in the American Basketball League. Um, the I think two teams came to mind for me, though, among the teams that are going to go deep. I, I do think Portland, they don't have a ton of diversity of threats, which I think ends up being important. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the Mavs were the greatest offense of all time, just in terms of raw points per possession this year. Yeah. Like, they yeah. they got to be talked about, but, again, not a, neither of those teams are favorites to make it out of the first round. Of the teams that I expect to advance into the final eight, I think the Celtics and the Clippers are the two that point out to me. See, I was gonna say Boston, but they're like they're so bad when those bench guys come in that that it that it loses some of the luster. But yeah. I mean, to have four perimeter weapons that are that are oh shit matchups for an opposing defense, like I mean, that's hard to deal with in a play in a playoff game where you know you got to put up with all four of them for thirty five to forty minutes. I mean that that's a challenge. I think they're getting a little bit of short shrift heading into this as far as how good they are and how much of a threat they can be deep in the playoff. Yeah, they don't have that one guy who's that awesome. We'll see if Jason Tatum can establish himself at, at that level this year. But the Clippers, particularly in just a playoff style of basketball, just the number of weapons they have, they they're another one where you just you see, don't have enough guys to guard all the players that they have. At first I I wrote down the Clippers, but if you can make them have to throw multiple passes, I think they can break down. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And it'll be also interesting to see what the personnel is for them at the end of games. Okay. Uh, do we need to do, let's do a uh, playoff predictions here. Sure. We'll just run through the whole, the whole thing. Um, Toronto, Brooklyn, uh, Raptors in five Canadian my... law. They have to lose game one. So, <laughs> uh, I'm actually going Raptors in four. Okay. In that one. Bucks magic. Bucks in four. Same thing. Celtics Sixers. Celtics and six. All right. I have the same thing as well. All right. So our only difference so far is, uh, I, I feel good about it. The, the way I thought about that Raptors and four versus Raptors and five pick was, will I feel stupider if I pick five and it's four or if I pick four and it's five? And I was definitely like, I will feel stupider if I pick five and it's four. <laughs> so that's why I went with four ultimately. Okay. Um, Pacers heat. I have Miami in six. All right. I have the Heat in five. I think that they, I'm really impressed with their defense right now. I think this is a bad matchup for India. Western Conference. All right. Blazers, Lakers. Lakers in five. Same as me. Clips, Mavs. I went Clippers in six. Yeah, me too. Although if I had to pick a direction that that's going to go, I'd be more likely to say fewer. I would say, yeah, five was on the table and seven was not when I made that prediction. Yeah, totally. Nuggets, Jazz. I had Denver in six. I'm going with the Utah Jazz in seven games. Wow. 
even with no bogey, no Conley for a couple games. Okay. It, there's that's a lot bold. of uncertainty. It's, I mean, that's a, a bet on the coaching matchup okay. in, in large part. Um, and you know, I, I think it was between Nuggets and seven and Jazz and seven. And I just was like, ah, I, I'm just more of a believer in what the Jazz do than the Nuggets do in the end. But I, this, that's almost more of like a protest vote. <laughs> I don't know if I really believe it, but <laughs> like ESPN, only one of their 16 experts picks the Jazz to win the series. And hmm. I was like, it should be, it's not crazy that the Jazz could win this. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Thunder Rockets. I had Houston in seven. All right. I had the Rockets in six. Yeah. More of a believer in the Rockets here. Uh, so we just talked about the first round. Who is the MVP of just the first round of the playoffs to you? MVP of the first round. I mean, <laughs> are we allowed to say Giannis, <laughs> right? When he uh, averages, I mean, I think it's when more... he averages 30 and 10 in 18 minutes a game as, as the Bucks win in four. I, I, to me, my view of MVP, especially because it's kind of, it's kind of funny. The more games you play, like the more value you're providing in theory. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I'll, I'll yeah, go, I, I mean, that's, it, he, he'll probably have the best statistical per minute production, I would guess. I'll go, I'll go James Harden. That's my pick too. Yeah. I, L- Lillard and Doncic in, in a losing cause certainly could be up there as well. Okay. Second round in the East. This is a big one here. Okay. Celtics Raptors. I like Boston. I, I, uh, I actually, I haven't, I haven't mapped out how many games, but I, I like Boston in that matchup. I do as well. I want the Celtics in six uh, <laughs> for that. And then Bucks Heat. Uh, Milwaukee, probably like five. Yeah. That, that was my thought as well. Although if I had to pick a way for that to go, I'd say more games rather than fewer. I do think Miami can do some things that could cause the Bucks some problems. I, I just, I don't think Miami will score a basket against. Them. That's that's what I I thought as well. Particularly if you just take away Duncan Robinson, yeah, you know, yeah. put Eric Bledsoe on him, and then everything else just barricade the rim and Jimmy Butler shoot as many mid rangers as you want. Exactly. West Lakers okay. Rockets. That gets interesting, right? Probably can we can we say Russ is maybe back then? That's the hope. I think it goes six or seven, but I do think the Lakers end up winning. Yeah, I I would have it in seven. I mean, that's probably my. Second round prediction that's most subject to change based on what happens in the first I'd round. Agree, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah. Clippers Nuggets. Uh, yeah, I saw Clippers and Nuggets play in person right before the shutdown. Uh, watch them play again. Um, you, you know, the other day. Well, you'll uh, have four more chances to watch them play. <laughs> it's not. Although, a I good, guess I, I guess it's I not a good matchup for series. Denver, man. It is not. Yeah. It is not. I think you know with the. Uh, with the with the uh, home music advantage, maybe they can get to five. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it would probably be no matter who the Clippers play, it won't be more than five, and I very possibly will end up picking a sweep in that one. Lakers, Clippers, Clippers and six. I think it's just a good matchup for the Clippers. I think I think they're really well be- built to play against the Lakers. The way I put it with Danny was. I would pick Clippers and six also, but I might give the Lakers a larger percentage chance of winning the series than that Clippers and six pick would indicate just because LeBron might just be playing at that type of level. Like if he's the best player, then all bets are off. Mm-hmm. East, this would be Bucks Celtics. Bucks Celtics. We both have Bucks Celtics. Um, I think it's Bucks and five. I think as as good as the matchup for Tor- with Toronto is for Boston, it's that bad against Milwaukee. I think Toronto could give Milwaukee a better series than Boston can. Um, 
Boston has certainly no, on the defensive end. Boston has nobody who matches up with Giannis, and it just like the whole edifice crumbles because of that. Yeah, I think Boston might be the team that has the best personnel to match up offensively against the Bucks defense. But if you can't stop Giannis, you're kind of I think you're in trouble against Milwaukee because I do think the Bucks can be vulnerable on their offensive end, but Boston just doesn't have exactly size and exactly. NBA Finals: Clippers versus Bucks. You know, I've been saying Bucks all year. I, I think I think you'd have to say from the beginning of the playoff season till the end that they have the greatest percentage chance of winning four series in a row and being the champion. But if you get to the point where you're down to one series and it's Clippers versus Bucks, I'm not sure that's still true. Um, yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with you there. So if it, my my default has been Bucks all year, I, I want to see how they look, especially in the second and third rounds. But I just I just worry that that the Clippers are able to wall up against against Giannis and that they're that their depth of options can wear down what Milwaukee does a little bit. Um, I think that's really interesting. I think it's like a seven gamer either way. Um, I'm going to, so I'm going to stick with my default of, of bucks. And then if I change it later, I change it later, but it's that, I mean, I hope that's the finals. That'd be a great series. Yeah. I like the Clippers matching up against the bucks defense with some of the shooting that they have. I mean, we've seen that the bucks don't have an answer for Kawhi. We saw it last year. And to me, Kawhi looks even better now mm-hmm. than he did last year. So I, I think he'll be the difference maker in the end. And Paul George is also not really a great matchup for the Bucks defensively with his ability to shoot coming off of screens, which kind of breaks the Bucks defense a, a little mm-hmm. bit. And so I would go with Clippers in seven, but I do agree with you that if there were one team I would place a bet on to win the NBA Finals right now, it would be the Bucks just because of their easier path yeah. to the finals. Absolutely. Who will be the MVP of the playoffs? Well, I I mean, I think we've made it pretty clear that it's either Kawhi or Giannis, right? Yep. And LeBron will be heard from, you would think. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be between those three guys to me. And Well, I, I mean, unless James Harden is just if, so if good. If Houston beats the Lakers, right, then then you yeah. have a case for James Harden. Although I don't, I, th- I really don't like that Clippers matchup for Houston, though. Oh, they, yeah, the, the Rockets are roadkill against the Clippers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Kawhi would probably be my pick over, over Giannis, but, uh, it could be any of these. It's, there's a lot of uncertainty. Who will be the rookie of the playoffs? Not a lot of potential options here with John Morant not making it. Yeah. What do we got here? Like Tyler Hero? Uh, uh, I think to me, I'll throw you out some of the, the ones. Porter okay. Jr., Tyler Hero, Thibel. Then you're down to like Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, Grant Williams territory. So it's probably between MPJ, Hero, and Thibel. So I had forgotten that Porter was still technically a rookie. Uh, so I, I would say Porter. Yeah, he's going to start. I mean, probably more likely than not, he's going to average at least high teens. Yeah. And I mean, none of these other guys are going to start. I guess Brett Brown said he was looking at maybe starting Thibel, but um, no, it's got to be Porter Jr. Coach of the playoffs? Probably Doc Rivers, in my view, if I have the Clippers winning it. Uh, yeah. Um, I th- you'd probably have to say that. I was going to say, if your round one prediction comes true, I think Quinn Snyder will get some votes. Yeah. I do have one more I want to throw at you here. I know, I know we're okay. running low on time, but, uh, which team, I mean, we have the same final four of the two LA teams, Boston and Milwaukee. What team outside of those four is most likely to crash the conference finals party? So I think you're definitely looking at either Houston or Toronto. Yeah. 
and you know who is more likely than the other. I mean, Tor- I mean Toronto. The thing with Toronto, they're certainly in the second round, where Houston is not. So I yeah. think I'd have to say Toronto. Yeah, I think so too. It's it, and I think the Lakers are still better than Boston in my mind. Houston has a little tougher of an advantage, and also Toronto is healthy right now, and Houston isn't. Uh, uh, yeah, although I think Houston at full strength is better than Toronto, but they don't play in the East. Um, all right, this is going to be awesome. So we'll be back. We'll keep you posted. Probably record on Monday next week. Uh, I would imagine to wrap up all the playoff action. You yeah. can catch Dunked On where we go into even more depth on. All of these series, we spent at least 20 minutes uh, on each series over the last three episodes or so, so you can check that out. Uh, John, you're going to be – what do you think you're going to write about for The Athletic as these playoff series? Are well, so obviously I've written previews with my picks for both the Eastern and Western Conference first round. Uh, I'm actually writing about the draft this week too. Uh, the deadline is uh, Monday for for players to uh, sub- to submit their name. Even the ones who decide to go back to school, they can change their mind up until tomorrow. So uh, that that's sort of the final final call, so dude, to speak. Dude, aren't we four days away from the lottery? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, yeah. or did, did they move it to the twenty fifth? It's they a twentieth. It it yeah, 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 yeah. So we we got a busy week here. So I mean, I'm I'll be writing about what I see, you know, in the in these playoff games. So we'll, we'll see where that goes, and uh, and of course uh, we'll be we'll be voting our uh, first round rising stars team. Ah, the the world team. It's gonna be gonna be a tough one. <laughs> the world for, uh, for world rising stars team. It's really a shame Nicolo Melli did not make the postseason. Oh man! All right. Well, yeah, this is gonna be awesome. We're gonna have four games a day for the next two weeks. Can't wait, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.